0: Welcome to the Chalk Life Podcast. Today I'm talking to Lainey, who works for a medical humanitarian organization, an international one, so she travels all over the world. Welcome Lainey, thank you for talking to us today. Hi Ingrid. And so I wanted to talk to you because, first of all, I'm one of those people that have always had this idealized sort of fantasy about what it must be like to be out in the field, uh, working in these incredible occupations and, and helping a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those kind of crazy people that every time I see a disaster, I wish I were there to help. I, It's something that has always fascinated me. So I'm interested to find out how you started out uh, working for this medical organization.
1: Well, in fact, as you know, I'm not a medical person so um, i'm currently working in human resources and i've also done some work uh, in finance for this organization so i actually started out well i wasn't originally working in this field at all i was um, working as an administrator in small businesses um, i used to i started traveling quite a bit uh, probably about 10 years ago and i was i was working abroad Um, But I'd always done kind of volunteer work for um, community organizations, back home, this kind of thing, and always really, really enjoyed it. But I actually started out by um, working as a volunteer. I know there's lots of kind of government programs out there, and I worked as a volunteer with an Australian government program, actually originally in Cambodia. I was there for a year. And that was what really started my interest in in working in the summer fields.
0: I think you told me when I met you, you're you're from Australia. Was this organization similar to sort of the American Peace Corps? Is that what you told me?
1: Yeah, it is quite similar, actually. Um, It's run by the government. It's not quite as, (laughs) dare I say, long and uh, challenging as the Peace Corps. I mean, you're a volunteer, but you can live quite uh, independently in the community, Usually the, the assignments are between six and 12 months, so um, it's a really great opportunity to to get a feel for um, for this kind of a, a, a position and this kind of a field. And actually, I met loads of Peace Corps people um, in the field there in Cambodia and in, in other places as well, and they, they all said the same thing. It was really a great introduction to this kind of work.
0: Well, that's the other thing. I know you're not a medical professional, and that was the other thing that sort of stymied me in my search when I looked at these kinds of organizations. Although I know that obviously they have to hire peripheral people. They can't have all medical people. They have to have people in logistics and things. So what exactly do you do for this uh, international medical organization?
1: So basically when I'm in the field, I I manage the, the human resources for the staff that we hire in the field. Um, so that's quite a lot. I mean, globally we have around I think four thousand, five thousand staff in all the countries that we're working in. Um, so I manage the the staff there, to make sure we're in compliance with the local labor laws, um, to make sure we're doing things properly, we have regulations in place, systems in place, etc. Um, I've also worked on the finance side in the field, so managing the budget, managing um, the actual cash in the field and how we run our activities. So there's really a lot to do on the kind of administrative side, which people don't see, um, but there's certainly a lot of openings for for these kinds of profiles in, um, in the humanitarian world.
0: What would you say are the strengths that got you the job? Good question. I'd say
1: you have to be really flexible. Um, you have to be able to kind of fit into the context where you're working and adapt really quickly and not be too vulnerable to stress. I mean, they're very much kind of soft skills that that got me into this rather than my my technical skills, I would say. I know a lot of organizations do look for um, a technical background, but as well as that, they really look for people who um, have already done a lot of travel, who have already lived and worked and in various contexts all over the world. They really kind of look for the soft skills that enable you to adapt to the company. Because you
0: worked in places like Kenya, South Sudan, Kyrgyzstan, Myanmar, you don't think of them as having sort of a fully functioning office. You were in a ad- very administrative position. Uh, mm-hmm. Did it stay administrative when you were in these places? Did you end up doing things in the field that you didn't expect?
1: it's interesting we are quite structured in terms of our um our administration of of the projects and so you do kind of tend to to stick within your your field of expertise which is actually really needed because i mean the least i mean the lesser context is is functioning well the more you have to kind of come in with the a framework that is is already established. You know, there are some countries that don't have really a functioning labour law, for example. In which case, you need to put some standards in place if you're managing a big team. Otherwise, it's it's really impossible. So, you know, we have our our standard um, staff regulations or standard contracts, etc. So, we do tend to keep things quite structured. Um, but having said that. Um, I'm usually working in contexts where the project is already running, so I know it's very different when you come in in the beginning and you're setting up a project. Um, maybe an emergency has just happened, etc. It is quite a different story. Um, but in general, yeah, it's it's reasonably structured.
0: When I think of South Sudan, I'm thinking of what you see on TV when you see, say, you know, uh, a refugee camp and difficult living situations. Can you tell me a couple uh, different examples of how you lived when you were out in the field in these countries?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is like that in places like that. So um, it's quite funny to imagine a very kind of structured and organized approach, but without yeah. all the you know nice comfortable things around <laughs> right. you um, but it does it does actually work so I mean you're you're living in a, a kind of tukul, you know a hut with a you know grass roof or whatever you have a very very simple a single bed, a small table um, you eat all together with the people that you live with you have pits uh, latrines, you have cold showers, it's always hot, so it's always dusty or muddy if it's the raining season. Um, you know, you have to deal with various levels of discomfort, let's say. Um, but within that, those levels of discomfort, you still have to be able to, to do your job. So I guess that's, that's one of the challenges as well, one of the interesting parts.
0: Well, does that mean that you have a typical office with uh, access to the internet or how primitive is it?
1: Uh, in most cases now we have access to internet, whether it's, you know, via a satellite phone or whether we have a proper connection in place. Um, it's really essential for our, our operations. So, uh, it's pretty rare that we don't have access to, to internet unless it's really, you know, the start of a project in the middle of nowhere and they're, they're kind of trying to set things up. But even then they'll have, they'll have some access. So certain things, yes, it's a given, but you know, things like, a a nice fan to keep you cool or a comfortable office <laughs> chair you might
0: just do. it. So in my mind, in my fantasy, you are actually out there with the doctors, with the medical personnel right out there in the field with them, wherever you need to be, whether it be one of these camps or, you know, because at first I, when you started talking, I imagine you were back in the city, you know, in the in, in whatever the the main city would be in these countries, but that's not so it sounds like.
1: Um, It really depends on the, the kind of position that you take. There are field positions available and then there are positions available in the, the capital city, which are more, you know, managerial coordination positions. So I've done both. Um, but to be honest, I really enjoyed being in the field because for me, that was something that was really an amazing experience. I mean, yes, I was in my office, I was doing my administrative work, but, you know, I could walk or take a car five minutes down the road, be in the hospital, uh, see what was happening with the patients. You know, my colleagues would explain the various cases. Um, You know, you really had contact with the people and what was happening. So for me, I really, really enjoy that aspect of the job.
0: Speaking to that, I would imagine that this is something like you become such a tight close-knit almost family when you're out in places like that tell me a little bit about that kind of experience the social experience
1: yeah it's I mean it's quite interesting if you if you have a field based position most of the time the team are living all together so um you know you work together you come home you eat together you have a drink together you discuss together pretty often you talk about work, so you have to understand that work is pretty 24-7. Right. Um, so stress levels can be high as well from that point of view. But at the same time, you know, if it's a difficult context, you do really make great friends, you do really establish connections with people. Um, and I have, you know, groups of people that I've worked with that we keep in contact, we make an effort to get together and see each other often and it's really an amazing connection because you know it's not something that you can explain to other people when you come back what happened in that country how it was for you how difficult it was challenging etc so it does really make uh, amazing bonds between people
0: Um, also curious your humanitarian medical organization is one of the bigger ones now and they're often conflict zones or near conflict zones. Have you ever been in danger? I mean, of course, it's not, it's not like you're in a, you know, a European city when you're out in the field. But can you tell me a story of, of something that was unexpected or difficult that happened to you when you were out in the field?
1: Okay um I haven't actually worked in let's say a conflict zone itself um in in my past experience so that's really something very particular um to the organization um but yeah I mean for me I'm very confident in the way that they manage safety and security um I've always felt like they take uh precautions and considerations depending on the context etc But that does mean that the rules uh, that you have to follow are really strict. You know, there's certain hours that you have to be back in your compound, you can't move around, you can't go and look in the town where you live. Um, You can be really, really restricted in what you do. I guess the part where um, you always feel a little bit at risk um, is also because, you know, if you work in administration, you're dealing with finance, so you're dealing with money. And for me that that automatically means that, you know, you're – you are you do carry some risk in what you do, but I've been fortunate. I haven't actually, you know, been a part of or seen any any major security incidents in where I've been working.
0: Tell me what what was the most difficult or challenging part about working out in the field? I guess there's two facets
1: to that. I mean, one of it one of them is is just the work, you know, the volume of work, the fact that you don't have really any life outside of the work so you overwork um, and because you know there are things to be done and there are needs and and things seem to be quite urgent you work a lot and you don't take a lot of time off and it, it can be stressful and you can get really really tired um that's one aspect aspect that's that's challenging i guess the other aspect is that you're you're away so um it's kind of the you know, the balance that you have to think about in terms of your your family, your friends, you're your always coming and going. Um, you miss important things that happen to other people in your life. And, yeah, that's also, I guess, a challenge in, in this kind of work.
0: Do you feel like, and I've talked to many other people that have these kinds of intense experience work experiences uh, where they're isolated in the same sort of manner, and it makes it difficult to go and do... A normal job afterward, would you say?
1: <laughs> I I've seen a lot of people that find it difficult. Yes, um, but on the other hand, you kind of have to weigh up your your work life balance. So, you know, it's really about priorities, and people have different priorities at different stages in their life. Um, maybe when you're a bit younger, you want to be out doing these kinds of things, and you're enjoying it, and it's. You know, it's, um, it's fantastic for the experience. Maybe later on you want to think about being in one place. You want to think about your, you know, your personal life or your, just your time off outside of work, your, your health as well. Um, there's lots of factors. So, yes, it can be challenging, I think, to settle into a, a regular job, but it really depends on, on where your priorities are at the time.
0: And so how long have you been doing this? I would say on and off about five. And now you are working at the headquarters in Geneva. How are you finding that?
1: This is the interesting part because, yeah, for me, it's it's also um, it's a step removed from maybe what we're doing in the field. I don't directly see the activities and what we're implementing, so I kind of miss that. You know, really, really having the day-to-day interaction with people. Also being in the different countries where we work, this is this is a really interesting experience and challenging experience. But at the same time, it's, it's nice to have a more global picture of the organisation of how it functions, uh, similarities and differences between different contexts. It's it's kind of nice to have both perspectives. I'm glad that you know I've I've had time in the field. Certainly, uh, I'll hope to be back in the field again at some point. But I'm glad to to have had the opportunity to do both.
0: Tell me about what you most love about being out in the field, or 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 an experience that that really shows what it's like to be working for this organization.
1: For me, it's about working hard for something that you believe in. Um, really seeing that you do have an impact in in what you do. Um, yeah, for me, that's that's really something something important. When you uh, agree with the, the principles of the organization that you work for, when you really see a need somewhere and you really see that you can do something about that, certainly not all the needs. There will always be multiple multitudes of needs and, and we can never address them all. But there's something rewarding in saying, okay, here we are doing something that really has an impact on on the lives of some people. Um, and for me, that's that's the great thing that we're able to do.
0: What would you say to people who want to work in this type of situation? What would you, what kind of advice would you give them to prepare for what's going to happen out in the field?
1: Okay, I would say just keep an open mind, uh, be flexible. Um, it's never going to be as you imagined it. Um, each time I go to a different country, it's, it's never as I imagined it was going to be. The challenges are always something different than what I thought they were going to be. Um, There are always work challenges and also personal challenges. Be open to to learn things uh, for yourself, um, about yourself, and and be open to to other people. Um, I think, yeah, I think for me that's that's the most important thing, not to come with too many expectations, but just an, an open mind. But in terms of preparation for people who want to, you know, get into the field, I would say, you know, travel as much as you can, experience different contexts, do various volunteer work. Um, it can be in your community, it can be abroad, it can be really um, a, a multitude of things, but really kind of get a feel for it if this is the kind of work that you would be interested in. And then think as well, uh, because, you know, the humanitarian sector is quite large, there are certain contexts that you might be interested in working and others that you might not. So, um, so, yeah, I think it's it's quite important to be a little bit targeted as
0: well. I'm sorry, what was that? A little bit... Targeted in what you want to do. Well, because each of these, obviously, ha- each of these different uh, humanitarian organizations has a different flavor, I'm sure. I'm wondering... There are several large medical humanitarian organizations. Uh, Would you say that most of them are multicultural in that? Have you worked with a lot of people from different countries on staff? Uh, Yes, in general,
1: um, the teams are are very, very mixed, uh, are very varied, uh, very interesting in the kinds of people that you meet and the backgrounds of the kinds of people that you meet as well, because um, you find people coming from all kinds of different life paths and, and this is fascinating as well. At all different kinds of points in their lives, you know, you have people who are semi-retired who decide to work in the humanitarian sector and have had a whole other career doing something else. So, for me, it's really interesting from this point of view.
0: Could you tell me a story, maybe when you first started with this organization and you were sent out in the field, something that stuck out that... That happened to you that made you, gave you that aha moment. Now I'm really in this, I'm in a different world. You know, I'm doing, I'm in a humanitarian organization. Is there something you could tell me like that?
1: Yeah, my first uh, days as a volunteer in in Cambodia are probably quite memorable. I'll probably recount that. (laughs) (laughs) So, my my first placement um, with this organization in Cambodia was based in a town. Uh, on the border of uh, Cambodia and Thailand, which was at the time quite remote and very much known for um, people trafficking, prostitution, drugs, etc. Um, a lot of very poor communities living on the the border. Um, it took, I think ten hours to get there by bus over land. It was really um, it was really uh, the last post in Cambodia at the time. <laughs> Um, And I was the first volunteer to be placed there for this um, (laughs) uh, volunteer program. So it was quite interesting. I took the bus ride with my um, Cambodian counterpart for 10 hours, um, and he recounted plenty of stories about when he was a soldier uh, with the Khmer Rouge and what had happened over that whole period and wow. um, when he'd escaped to the refugee camps, etc. So this was really my introduction. I mean I'd read books before I got there, but this was really my my introduction to you know real life Cambodia and, and what had happened to people there. So I had for for 12 hours really in detail his story um, recounted. Um, and then I, I arrived in this town in the middle of nowhere. Um, he took me to his house and his wife had made me um, a delicious welcome dinner of uh, chicken feet, super spicy, mm-hmm. um, followed by durian. I don't know if you know durian fruit. but oh, The stinky quite, fruit. Yeah, yeah, it's quite famous <laughs> in Asia. <laughs> so these were all really strange things <laughs> for me. <laughs> who had not uh, lived or worked in this part of the world before. So I had my dinner. Well, were you a good
0: good soldier and you ate it all? I
1: did. (laughs) I did. And I suffered because I don't like so much spicy food and I don't like at all chicken feet. The durian I could handle, but anyway. (laughs) So I had my dinner and I went home alone. I was staying in this kind of guest house, um, quite forlorn in this town in Cambodia. And I think... I tried very hard to take um, lessons in Khmer but I think for the first month all I ate was fried rice with pork because it was the only thing I could say in Khmer. So I went every day to restaurants by myself mm. <laughs> for dinner to order um, the food and I would try for other things and people wouldn't understand what I was saying and in the end I'd have fried rice with pork every day. And this was really, I mean it was a big test for me to be in this town in the middle of nowhere without any kind of colleagues or that I could you know discuss with in English or whatever um it, it was really really challenging and to find my place in the organization and what I needed to do and how I could be added value because this is <laughs> this is also a little bit the point when you you start out in the sector you really feel like you're the one learning and
0: um not
1: really adding anything to and the you're supposed to
0: be teaching people things but yeah, you're just trying to get exactly. your feet under you
1: Exactly. So, you know, I'd gone there as a, a kind of training advisor and I was supposed to be do tra- doing trainings for the staff and really I was just learning, learning, learning for the first six months. And I think that was the most kind of challenging period for me. And, you know, it was that moment when I suddenly realized that, okay, yeah, I'm living in this town, I'm, I'm surviving, I'm managing, I have a few friends and my job's going okay. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> um <laughs> And I think a lot of um, people I've spoken to, like Peace Corps volunteers, etc., and and they have that kind of moment as well. When you're like, okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm surviving, and I'm more than surviving. It's going okay. So um, <laughs> that was a big moment for me, in fact.
0: And you didn't have to eat uh, fried rice and pork anymore.
1: <laughs> no, that helped as <laughs> well and I could manage to order something else. So, yeah, that was particularly challenging. I mean, it's not the same when you're working for an organization and you travel with a team and you live with a team. It's certainly not the same experience, but I can definitely recommend that people do, you know, experience these kinds of volunteer programs in the beginning because it really teaches you so many things about yourself and it's a great experience.
0: Right. And then, well, of course, and then when you move to the, uh, medical humanitarian organization, they, I'm sure, had a training program and maybe even a, um, a cultural immersion program or something. How did they get started in your new position?
1: Um, in fact, it's a little bit different um, with uh, these kinds of organizations because you don't stay so long in the country. Um, you, you study a little bit about the, the context and the very basics of cultural integration. But, for example, you might not necessarily have time to learn the language. Um, you might not necessarily really go into detail. I mean, it's sort of up to you yourself to, to do a little bit of research on your own about where you're going and, and what to do and what not to do, etc. You'll get some briefings, obviously, when you arrive in the country um, from various staff. But it's certainly, I mean, you're a little bit, let's say, sheltered from that in the way that you live and and the way that it's structured because you're really there to do a job. You're there with an objective in mind and it's not to be necessarily perfectly integrated in the culture. Of course, you have to know, you know, how to uh, not to offend people and how to find your way. But your main objective is really, you know, the medical objective to, to get the job done, to, to treat patients, and you're and there for that.
0: Right, right. So, how long would you stay in each country then?
1: Um, it depends on the country, and it depends on the job, but in general, around six months.
0: Do they like to move people in and out of countries um, rather than have them stay? too long in one country
1: yeah there is some argument for that i mean it depends on the position that you take if you're in a more managerial position in the capital city they probably prefer that people stay a bit longer in terms of um consistency etc but if you're in the field um one part of it is really exhaustion like and being in those kinds of conditions most people wouldn't be able to, to handle it for a year, let's say. Living in those kind of conditions, working those kinds of hours, you really need to take a break at the end of it. So it's a little bit for for that reason as well, that they, they kind of like to take people out, give them a break, send them somewhere else. Um, and there's also the reason of coming in and, and being a little bit objective and looking at things with outside eyes. You know, you might see things differently, you might you might have a different approach in, in how you implement things. Um, yeah. There's, there's various reasons for that.
0: Yeah. I would think that being in one place for too long, sometimes you might be, you might get a little bit um, maybe cynical or it might seem a little hopeless because a lot of these places, the problems just don't stop and and the amount of patients coming in is, is never ending. It seems like so you, you probably, they probably want to move people while they still have a very upbeat attitude about what they've accomplished and, uh, I don't know. Do you think that's a Yeah, bit... that's
1: part of it. But, I mean, it's also when you stay in a place for too long, uh, you don't necessarily see things in the same way. You don't necessarily see the same problems or you see some things as just the way things are here rather than thinking, okay, how can we work around this issue? So, you know, there's there's lots of reasons for that.
0: Do you know how long you're going to be at the world headquarters um, are you planning to go back out in the field? And how much longer do you see yourself doing this?
1: In the sector, I, I plan to do it for for a long time. I mean, it's, it's been really a deliberate career choice now. So um, certainly I'm going to stick with it. But um, in terms of how long I'm staying in the headquarters, it's not uh, completely visible for the moment. But probably um, sometime during this year, I'll be heading back into the field again.
0: So obviously you feel like you made the right choice and you're where you should be and you're doing the most good.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's not all about, you know, people don't just do this work because they, they feel like they're doing good and they're helping the world, but also for themselves, it's really, uh, an amazing Career path. I mean, in terms of what you learn, what you gain for your yourself, I can say there's certainly selfish reasons as well to say um, why I love to do what I do. You know, I, I love the fact that we we help people and we improve their lives. But I also love the fact that every day I'm I'm learning something new. I'm going to different places. I'm being challenged. Um, for
0: me, it's 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 the whole package. Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's exactly what I was hoping to hear. So thank you very much, Laney. I appreciate you taking the time. And if we have any questions, I'm sure Laney will be happy to answer them. And More than happy. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Laney, and good luck in all your future field positions.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Ingrid. Thank you.
0: If you have any questions for Laney or about working for a medical humanitarian organization, go to Chocalife.com.